Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're here with uh, everybody minus jockstrap. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Yeah, doing good. This is Pretty good, a, man, but I got my jock strap on. That's good. I'm glad you're protected and ready to go. Again, do not type in hashtag jock strap on Twitter. <laughs> you don't want, yeah, you don't want to do Just that. Just a friendly reminder, PSA. Yeah, that was scary. Colin's been checking that out, I guess. <laughs> Colin frequents that site. Um, we're here with our uh, week 12 review, and uh, we're back to splitting things up this week, back to a normal week, uh, even though it's the holidays. I uh, hope everybody is safe this week and traveling everywhere they're going to go. Um, to start off with real quick, we got a few things we're just going to go around and hit up real quick because it's going to be a little, there's so much that we kind of wanted to get to with this show. Um, the first one being that, uh, how about the Kansas Jayhawks? Nice. Nice win. Yeah. Huge, huge win for the Jayhawks. First time since 1938 that they actually beat Texas, which, you know, tweet of the day was, it said the last time that uh, when Kansas beat Texas was back when FDR was president and Perry Ellis was a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out uh, to Kansas basketball. I forgot about yeah. that this morning. Perry yeah. Ellis jokes will never get old. No, no they will not. not. That's hilarious. Especially not as old as him. And I, I, <laughs> and I, I was glad to see him get Stanley in there playing, throwing him out there and play. That yeah. was, that was, mm-hmm. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a really good thing for Kansas in the future. I really do. That was a weird, uh, that was kind of a, or, you know, I guess not a weird spot, but a tough spot to be in. Um, You know, you're going to, I mean, I know Texas isn't Texas, but still, you know, you're really kind of coming in and getting thrown in, and this is Texas you're playing here. So it had to be a little bit of a pressure-packed situation for them. But, again, I mean, we talked about it. We've seen them no matter who they've played, whether it's Oklahoma or whether it's Iowa State. They've, you know, they've brought it. They've been stiff. Whoever, you know, they. Their effort's been great. Yeah. They're going to challenge you, and if we even say, I even distinctly remember saying something in the show along the lines of, "If you screw around with them in the fourth quarter, they're going to be there to make you pay for it," and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Texas just did not. It didn't look like I, I. I remember tuning in at the beginning of the game. I missed a little bit of the the middle, uh, flowing around a different game. So are you shaving, Brady? What is that? <laughs> what? What was that noise? <laughs> Is that like you're no not like you're shaving like Barbasol can over there or something? <laughs> uh, man, I have no clue what's going on. All right. Uh you gotta get your equipment back set up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh what were we talking about? Kansas, yes. Um yeah, I remember saying something along the lines of if you screw around with them, they'll get you and they did. Texas just yeah. did not when you could tell from the beginning of the game, they didn't act like they really wanted to be there as much. You know, they were ready to play, but they weren't ready to play. And then, I mean, to me, just a microcosm of that game and how they got beat was the view coming out of the commercial break of their bench going into that overtime. It looked like a combination of deer in the headlight and God, can we just get out of this God for second place already? Like that, that's, they did not want to be there. They had no interest in playing that overtime. Um, even Bouchel, who's, you know, had some high moments, just that throw was just uh, stupid. I, there was nobody within a country mile of where he threw that ball. Well, that's not entirely true. Yeah, Mike Lee was back okay, there. Okay, in <laughs> reference to a football field here, not a true re- realistic mile here, there's nobody in position to make that play. Like, he had no shot at making that throw. 
Well, had he not sailed it, it would have been a good throw. He just threw it about 15 yards too deep. <laughs> well, that's that's a big miss. I, I have a hard time believing he was trying to throw that shorter than that if he missed it by that much. If so, he needs to go to work. Yeah, this, this was a prime example of the whole saying, you know, if you let someone hang around and give them a little confidence thinking they belong in the game, then, you know, bad things can happen. And that's, yeah. that's what happened. And I don't know. I, I just – it did. I want to say – I was surprised by it, but to some degree, I really wasn't surprised that it happened because now I obviously didn't would not pick them to beat Texas. But as far as just being totally floored by the, the result, it didn't really surprise me a whole lot that it happened, especially as starting how, how they looked at that game on into it. Like it just you knew Texas did not want to be there. They were going to do whatever they could to get the heck out of Kansas and go on. And it just it didn't work out for them. It ended up bad for them. Um, you know, hats off to the celebration tactics also, too. <laughs> uh, between that and the rush in the field at the beginning of the year and getting called back off the field, yeah. that's just it's been a hey, you do have to give them some props this time. There were there were actually uh, quite a few fans that rushed the field. You know, you had the failed attempt to originally get on on the field goal post they, by like seven guys. Yeah, they, they eventually made it up there and, and were able to get it out and to the credit carried it out of the stadium. Yeah, yeah, that was you nice. Know, that's that that's, is that's if celebration you're do to it, peak. If you're gonna do it, take it to the quad, yeah. <laughs> wherever you're gonna take that thing, get it out of there. Um, they I was actually need to work on a uh, weightlifting though, <laughs> and they need to work on engineering. People, people were people were struggling to do the pull up onto the old. Field goal post there. They, they yeah. needed to work on some engineering on the modern field goal posts too. Those were kind of older posts, the yeah. real thin tubing and all yeah. that, just pinched off. I haven't seen one like that in a while. Well, yeah, they, uh, they, most of them had the breakaway bottoms now. Well, yeah, I they, guess they've never had. I guess you're in Kansas; they're yeah. not used to rushing the fields. Yeah, yeah. they're not, they're not, they have no need for breakaway field goal posts yet. No, they haven't had but any even use for it. but even like there's the ones too where like it's the the fork part slides onto that so that it slides off and then you don't have that where it pinches off and breaks like that. So I, I was a little surprised it was made like that. I hadn't really noticed. But those go plus been there since nineteen forty three. Yeah, they've been there a while, I guess. <laughs> um, as long as the the chalk rocks have, I guess. Um, but yeah, that that I was I enjoyed it. I, that was fun to watch. Even I mean, you know, I didn't really have a dog in the fight, but it was fun to watch. So um, with that in mind, continuing our theme of the old North, uh, Iowa State, man. Yeah, hold on. We got we got to give a shout out to Dan Kilkenny. He was the one that was wanting us to give some some love to the Big 12 North team. So, mm-hmm. we'll go ahead and do that. You know, Iowa State definitely destroyed Tech. I mean, there's not a, oh, a no way word. to sugarcoat that. That was an ass whipping. Yeah, I that mean, was. There ain't really no other way to put that. But that was an ass whipping. They broke their will early and just rolled it up. I mean, you know, as much as we've criticized Campbell for his use of the two quarterback system oh, the whole season, could it have worked any better well, this game? In this game, though, he used it like we talked about. Yeah. You have one that's running the ball, and you have one that's passing the ball. You're not yep. having one that's basically just doing all you know every, all the quarterback duties. He kind of well, we talked about kind of like having a package for each one of them to run, mm-hmm. and that's what they did, and that that part was successful. Yep, the first two thirds of the year, it was well, I'm gonna, it was almost like he was still doing a quarterback competition. Like, let's see who can take control of this entire offense and go. Right, and it just to me. I'm okay with this system. Even, even you know, a near 50, I don't really care for that, but if it happens to be a near 50-50 split, so what? As long as you have clear defined roles and they're not the same thing. Like, you're actually getting the most out of each quarterback this way. Right. And to me, plus, if you're always thinking run, run, run every time Lanning gets in the game, we obviously know he's capable of throwing the ball, so there it gives you a whole other set of options. <laughs> so, I don't know. To me, it was it was really well done, really well thought out, and – they just absolutely wiped the floor with them in that game. It was great. Um, yeah. I guess we'll get into that game as we as we cover these games. But um, uh, what was the other one? I, oh, Kansas State, you know, knocking off Baylor. That was another good one. So, um, 
you know, that was that was a really good weekend for the old North there. Baylor, um, I guess, continues their implosion. You know what a uh, what an awful week for the state of Texas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it ain't and really, better, you know, either. other than Houston. Well, in a yeah, in a Big Twelve, yeah, Big Twelve values. No, yeah. I get you, but yeah. in the Big Twelve, you think about it. You know, I saw a question posed on Twitter over the weekend: Is a five and five TCU the best team in Texas? Right yep. in the Big well, Twelve. You know, and speaking of TCU, you know that was the worst loss Gary Patterson's had at home in seventeen years. So I mean, it was it was a bad week for Texas. Yeah. You're right. I mean, if I'm not around. mistaken, is Tech is Baylor the only bowl eligible team as we stand right here, or is Tech eligible? I don't no, Tech's right. out. Uh, Texas Texas out. Yeah, he's yeah. Tech is record. out. That's right. Yeah. Texas is out. Yeah, they're four and seven. And then Texas will have a shot if they can knock off TCU. So TCU and Texas will be playing for a bowl eligibility this week. Well, TCU has one more game left too, don't they? Yeah, they do. They have uh, Kansas State, I believe, I think is the last game they play. But, yeah, they um, – yeah, that's – man, that <laughs> – never thought we'd be here. Never thought do you we'd be here. Uh, do you think Texas, not necessarily Charlie Strong and the players, but Texas administration is hoping they lose this next game? I don't really so think they can kind of get on either. get uh, on with the program. I, I, I think they're already done. Cut ties. Although I don't know if you guys really want to get into this whole Charlie Strong thing today or not, but that was pathetic, dude. Like the University of Texas should be ashamed of herself rolling him out there like that. And I don't know if they were coaching him on this or if he was being honest by saying, you know, the indecision and not knowing and da 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 da, and he's just going to coach. That was pathetic. Like it get. We all know what's going to happen. We're all grown ups here. Let's just come out and say. He's done. We're moving on. Or he's done. He's fired. But he can coach the last game and move on. This. The, did you guys get to watch any of the press conference yeah. today? Yeah. Was that it's, not just asinine? Like it's it's a and completely t- unnecessary. I mean, regardless of what you have, your feelings are strong. He still deserves the respect of being treated like a human being. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, just be honest with him. And I, I really don't. I don't know necessarily if they've told him anything or not. I mean, that's what I'm asking. So like, wishy washy on everything. I'm not sure they, they've. Done I don't anything. think they have. Then you got Perry rolling back on either. His... Did you Did you hear uh, the conversation with Herb Street? Yeah, that's Herb what they were saying last night. Yeah, that he called Charlie Strong to kind of talk to him and say, you know, good luck in the future type thing. I heard you've been cut, and he was like. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. I haven't really heard anything yet. I keep seeing all these reports that I've been fired, but nobody's told me anything. <laughs> yeah, see, I got a hard time buying that. I think, I think in worst case scenario, they at least, you know, the the administrators from Texas were there at the game to some degree. I don't know if Perrin was there, but I know there, there's going to be people who were there with the team, AD, whatever. And um, you know, I, I got a feeling somebody said something to him after the locker room, or hey, you're gonna something along the lines of we're gonna have a meeting this morning or in the next morning, or well, see, he knew that, something was up. Put it that way. Like I don't think he just was yeah, blindsided no, I, by all I this. agree with that. But I wasn't just think the that, me, wasn't the meeting I, saying that hey, we're going to revisit this after the season's over? Well, he, he had one of those coming out. Yeah, I don't. To me, that's what's bad. You don't know. There, nobody's telling you the truth. You're hearing three different stories, and I don't know if Strong's being a team player. Um, if so, he's got way more um, character than I do because I'd run him out of the damn bus after today. But I don't know if he's coming out and just saying, look, I don't know they haven't said anything to me. We're just trying to figure this out. We're going to TCU trying to stick up for the university. Or if he's covering for them or if that's really what's happened. Like, I don't know. How, do, how does a report get out and get reported by all these people? <laughs> and Charlie Strong doesn't even know. See, that's why I'm not buying I mean, that. Like, you know, I just don't entirely buy that. Narrative. Well, I'm just saying – but I get what you're saying. I you, know, you know, I mean, if, if that is true and Charlie Strong really doesn't know, that's that's really crappy if on that, Tech's part. If that's the case, let's pretend that is the case. That is freaking pathetic. Yeah. Well, like, that is that is horrible. It's just uh, an athletic department with all the leaks. Yeah. You know, but, everybody's trying yeah, to be the but, one that breaks the story. Right. So they're 
going out to their reporters. You're perfectly capable enough of keeping this thing under wraps for long enough to get him into a room somewhere, even if it's in Lawrence underneath the stadium, and say, look, this is what we're going to do. Freaking Kiffin was fired on the tarmac at LAX. Like, you can get a hold of him in a room somewhere and say, look, (laughs) we're going to do this and go about this way, and this is the future. Just go along with this story. We'll take care of you. Make sure all your money is taken care of. Get your house sold for you. Now, let's go on. Like, that's all you got to do. Speaking of that, did you see the, uh, the tweet last night where the guy was like, well, I'm sure um, uh, Kingsbury can swing through Lawrence on his way back to Texas and pick strong enough that they can carpool on the way home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they could borrow some money from Texas or something, I think they might. Uh, yeah, that extension's hurting him big time. Get rid of that one. Uh, just another bad contract. Um, and I, you know, I'm sorry if you liked Kingsbury, but he's just at this point. I'm almost convinced he just when, there is no hope. When you have to come out and apologize multiple times. Because he did a day in his press conference. I mean, no, sorry, after the game he did. Mm-hmm. When you have to come out and apologize multiple times about how your team's not wasn't prepared to play, how their effort wasn't very good, they just didn't show up. When you got to do that multiple times in a season, it starts to fall on you. It's no longer the players just didn't show up to play. It's there, there's a bigger problem, bigger yeah. issue there. And like I said, it's clear that he cannot delegate or at least step in. Like I, I think I was talking to Colin about this off the air, if I remember right. He does not either have the um, clout to say to the defensive coordinator, this is not working, we need to do something different. And, I, and it wasn't just defense Sunday, it wasn't. It was both sides of the ball. But in that particular scenario, he doesn't have the clout to come in and say, look, this isn't working, we need to do something different, or we need to do this, or we need to do that. Like he just, I don't think he feels like, since he's an offensive guy, maybe he has that ability or that. Because if he does, either somebody's not listening and he needs to get somebody's attention or whatever the case may be. I just don't feel like he's ready to be a head coach. Uh, this, to me, has been proof that he is either not ready or never will be ready to be a head coach. And I just, to me, he doesn't have the figurehead ability yet like some of the other coaches do. And maybe it just means me and more time because he is young. He's not, he, by, I mean, he basically rose to fame with Johnny Manziel for two years as the offensive coordinator at A&M, like, or whatever it was. I think it was a year or two. Um, he, you know, he's, he wasn't quite, well, wasn't he with Houston with the, uh, what was that case Keenum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I'm talking about like a big time program. Like, you know, usually when these guys come from offensive coordinator, to head coach, they were the offensive coordinator in a major program. Usually in a lot of cases, now Lincoln Riley was a little different, but for the most part, now some of the priority guys, quote unquote, Lincoln know, Riley's not a head coach, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about <laughs> offensive court. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got to step ahead. My bad. I was thinking offensive coordinator in a major soon, program. Soon. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, when they go there to become a head coach, they usually right. are there at a big program first. And I, you just didn't. You, to me, I didn't think you got quite enough sample size with him. But to some degree, I guess you got to take a risk on some of these guys and say, look, well, see if you can be a head coach or you can't. Well, I mean, also you got to look at it like this. It, it, I mean, with all due respect, it, it's Texas Tech. Yeah, who's going to go there? And, and you got to find a guy to go there, and that's a guy who played there, who wants to be there, mm-hmm. who, who loves the university. They're, they're hard to find. Yeah, and I get know? that, but. Would this move have been better in 10 years? I guess we'll never know. Oh, well, I mean, you're, but, you're probably right. But I don't know what at the time they really had very good options as far as – he might have been the best option at the time. I, to me – Did he replace Tuberville? Is yeah. that who he was replacing? Yeah. To me, I almost wonder if it's time – you know, USC struggled with this for a little bit, getting away from the Pete Carroll tree. I almost wonder if it's time for Tech to get away from the leech tree to some extent. Like, I almost wonder if it's time to completely – I, I know there's a culture established there. I know it's what's worked. I know it's what's gotten them there. But you saw this with USC. Now, granted, USC isn't back yet by any means, but they're looking pretty good as of late. Um, 
I almost wonder if it's time to get away from that tree and that, that system and just completely hit the reset button and start over. I know it was great and everybody loved it and enjoyed it, but to me, I wonder if it's time to move on. Well, didn't they try that with Tuberville? Yeah, but that was almost like, speaking of like a stopgap, that was almost like a stopgap. They needed somebody to come in and immediately take control to cover for the debacle that was the falling out of Mike Leach and say, he's ahead, you know, he's a guy that is, uh, you know, He's strong. He was a head coach. You know, he's somebody that come in and kind of take control of things and go. I don't really yeah. felt like I never felt like that was permanent. Put it that way. Well, time to, time to bring in Charlie Strong. That's, 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 he's not well, Charlie and, Strong. And it really, I, I don't think that whole Tuberville thing. I don't think necessarily think that was a football decision. I think that was like a PR decision. Yeah, like exactly. This, this guy's got a clean record. He's had. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 type of thing. I, did, I don't necessarily think. Didn't it was, he bounce for like Cincinnati or something like that? Yes. Yeah, a really good Cincinnati team. That was yeah, and really I really upset. I think the story. I think the story was he was out at a dinner with a couple of recruits and just got up and said he's going to the bathroom and never returned. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. I never liked that guy anyway. Isn't he there right now? Tuberville. At Where's he Cincinnati? at? Now? Is he Cincinnati. Back at Cincinnati. Yeah. Since, yeah. Well, I think he left. I think you guys are getting confused. I don't think he was at Cincinnati before that. Or was it Northern Iowa? Was there where no, was no? He was somewhere. He was somewhere up there. He was somewhere up in that I region. He was like Auburn or something. I'm too lazy to Google it. No, he's already left Auburn. No, he was he done at Auburn. To, uh, he was fired. He's at Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember the ball game where they were mad. Their players came out and said, "You know, we're gonna play for us." And da da da. Because he left like like two days before that or something. He was and at Auburn took before the tech, tech coach. Yeah, he was at Auburn. Because he went from Ole Miss to Auburn. To Tech, and then Cincinnati. He was the coach at Auburn when Auburn went undefeated, and still got passed up by OU to get into the national title. That's how long ago he was at Auburn. All right, this conversation's rambling. We're talking so, about somebody who's not even coaching. Well, you, you brought it up. <laughs> Shut up yeah. next time. Let's move on. Okay, um, let's roll into um, the games. Do we have anything else to add? I don't have no. the. If you want to give me a second to look up the players of the week, I didn't have it at the time. It wasn't available. Um. It's up to y'all. Do y'all yeah, want to go with go. that? Okay. Um, let's roll on to uh, Texas-Kansas. That was our first one on our board last week. Um, I know we've said quite a bit about this game already, but just kind of repeating real quick. Um, this is kind of what happened at the end of the game. This was this is a, like about a 45-second clip of the three major plays that happened. Basically all Kansas here. Uh, this is courtesy of Campus Insiders. So if you missed the ending, this is basically the three plays that sum this game up. I almost so, jumped out of my car window too. Yeah, so that's a little, that. little bit of excitement there from the uh, local radio broadcast on that too. Um, yeah, that was courtesy of Campus Insiders. That I felt like I know if you the music. I know if you don't enjoy the music, sorry. That was just the best. I felt like montage I found all day of kind of what took place there at the end of the game. Uh, basically, to sum it up, you had a field goal. Kansas drove down, get a field goal, ties the game. 
Then it goes into overtime. Uh, you know, he Bouchelle throws the pick. What was it? First down, second down? I think it was second down. Yeah. Second down. Yeah. Uh, throws the pick. Uh, Jayhawks take over. Basically, on third down, they bring out the field goal unit early, kick the field goal, and move on. So, you know, the thing about this game is, is like, we, we talk about like the overtime thing, but Texas was up by 11 points there in the fourth quarter, and then they gave up a touchdown, two point conversion, mm-hmm. then a field goal there at the end of the game to, t- to you know take it to overtime. I mean, they had they had their opportunities to win, they just didn't come up with a stop. No. Well, and how about Wyman actually coming through this time? He's the one that I believe was the guy that missed the kick against TCU. Yeah, he was. They could have won yeah. the yeah. conference game earlier in the year, so he yeah. finally kind of outlived those demons. Yeah, to me, like you got to give Kansas some credit too for having the ability to make those plays. I mean, you know, it's it's we can be hard on Texas because this is Texas and they should know better. But you know, hats off to Kansas for finally. I mean, they went out, they did what they had to do. It wasn't given to them by any right. means. This wasn't a game they fell into or stole by any means. They they came in, they made the plays at the end of the game and won it. So um, credit to them. Uh, Stanley <clears throat> looks like they've got something with him. You know, I mean, uh, it definitely nothing to sneeze at kind of day. It wasn't spectacular by any means, exactly 50%, basically 21 for 42, 220 yards, an interception. But he he made the throws a lot of times throughout the day that kept him in the game, you know, kept him moving down the field. Um, Kenner, I still, still think I just – I'm not sure he's ever going to be a really great running back by any means. I just, you know, to me, he he just kind of is what he is. 20 carries, 69 yards on the day. Uh, Sims Jr., seven receptions, 79 yards. So, you know, wasn't necessarily an explosive effort by anybody, but they did what they had to do to win the game in the end. Um, Foreman, I felt like it was kind of a wasted effort by him. You know, it wasn't the the most yards he's had all year by any means, but good God, 51 carries. <laughs> I mean, that's – to me, um, you almost have to ask if Texas uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of rested, thinking they could just, you know, win this game with lining up and running the ball over Kansas, and clearly that did not work for them. Because, um, to me, there's there's plenty of area they could have exploited Kansas in the passing game, and they didn't try to do it. Well, I mean, Texas, you have six turnovers. That's what they had in the game. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, not, too, you, know, you, you, you can't win a ball game like that. No. no. I mean, it's just that simple. Which to me kind of looks like – I hate to be too critical of them, but to me that kind of shows the fact that they didn't want to be there, I don't think. Like, six turnovers to some degree has to have some fo- focus problems involved. You know what I mean? Like, at some point you've got to wake up, snap out of it, and say well, we're going to make these plays and go on. And they were 3 of 17 on third down conversion. I mean, yeah. you, you can't you can't go on the road and play that bad, no matter who you're playing, and expect to come out and win the ball game. I mean, you just nope. can't. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, people, I've seen the argument, well, they were just that bad today. They were just that bad. That's the only reason Kansas got in there. Well, it's still, they still won. I mean, they, you still were that bad. Yeah, you yeah. can yeah. justify <clears> that. <throat> one. I'm not the bad. one to buy the, the buy the argument that Texas, you know, is kind of cashing in the season or whatever. I think those guys are really trying to play for strong. And you could definitely tell at the end of the game, a lot of those Texas players were pretty pissed off that they had lost that game. Now yeah, there's probably emotional. someone there that I would that imagine. Wanted, want to cash it in but i would imagine I think, they probably I think they knew. gave out a good effort or tried to give out a good effort and kansas just showed up with a little more than they thought they would have i imagine they probably knew what that meant to some degree like i you, if you've been in the inside walls of that program for the last two years going back to when strong started out what one and four last year um and absolutely getting destroyed by notre dame and then moving on and all this started with the rumors of hot seat hot seat hot seat 
you know, um, and really even going back to when he got there, I mean, he was never the, the most attractive thing to, to the university anyway. The fan base was split pretty much from day one. You had boosters that were split. You had Red McCones, sorry ass, coming out there saying, you know, whatever he said about not wanting him out there. I hate that guy. And, um, you know, they just – we can count on him never to sponsor our show. I could care less. <laughs> that's a, that's a I, could, I could care less. I hope he never comes anywhere near here. You know, well, the one thing that I – I'd take his money. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, I'll tell you one thing. that I, this, You know, when was the last time – Big 12 play, because we know we're all about passing, moving the ball around. When was the last time we had a cat carry the ball 51 times? It's been a while. I mean, that's <laughs> – that. even like back in the days when it was a running style, like big old big eight stuff. It's probably like wishbone I mean, probably. 50, that's probably last time. times. Well, much. you can probably that's, go uh, – you know, what, what was Pirine when he ran against Kansas? It wasn't that much. I think it was – But it was probably somewhere in that area. I think it was like 38. I want to yeah. say I'd have to look it up. That's probably like the previous high yeah, before I mean, yeah. 50, 51 times. Good Lord. That's Now, doesn't he have to be in the – you know, front of the Heisman conversation for what he's done. He's, he's going to pass 2,000 yards. Easy. They're just so bad. People will just won't give him that. Last. I mean, and I don't necessarily – I, I kind of look – I look down on the Heisman a little bit for that aspect of it. I agree. Um, but to some degree, if they're that bad, they're just not going to give him that ability. I, I, but I, here's the other argument of that, too. I know it's not an MVP award, but where the hell would they be if they didn't have Foreman? Well, well you think over. about it. Yeah, like I don't know if they'd won, but maybe one game all year. I, I think when you look at it like that, when you kind of look for – What's the word I'm looking? Milestone, milestone stats. Mm-hmm. If they can, if a player on a bad team can cross a milestone, I think that gives him a lift in the Heisman votes or like MVP votes or anything. If he gets over two thousand yards, there's not many people to do that. And I mean, even looking at this year, him and Pumphrey are the only guys even close to having a shot at right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, and I I don't know necessarily think that he he'll win. Oh, I but, don't either. Yeah, but I I do think he deserves a trip to to New York. I mean, I, I it's my personal opinion, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I mean. The, the guy has been unbelievable. I mean, the, they, the whole team rides on his shoulders. I will say the one detriment I've seen on him uh, is from voters is that a lot of the argument out there, fair or foul, you can make that decision on your own, um, is how often he's handed the ball. Uh, the discussion is out there, well, yeah, so-and-so would have this many well, yards if they were handing the ball that much too, and agree. I'm not saying the, that's necessarily right. You're saying that's what the argument well, I see out there. My only argument would be that then, then no quarterback should win the award then because they have the ball, their hands <laughs> on the ball every single play. If well, that's the argument you're going to use. Yeah. And, and think about it this. What would his numbers be like if he wasn't splitting carries with Warren at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Yeah, but he had, Warren hasn't really been a factor other than, what, two or three games maybe? Yeah. I mean, like taking, a real factor. He missed a whole game, and then he was splitting carries two games. <laughs> and he's almost he's going to pass 2,000 yards next game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can play the the injury game though with the Heisman. I, I mean, I guess you could, but I mean, there's a lot of guys well, that they the, were healthier. The not, college football playoff can pay, play the injury bug. Uh, I think you. <laughs> yeah, true. I think you lean on that a little more than they do. I think they. The only discussion was like the NCAA tournament. If somebody's missing like a key player, X amount of game or for one big game, they might factor that into discussion. I still have yet to see where that was actually something that mattered or separated two teams. So I mean, yes, they can they can look at that, but I don't know that it necessarily. Here's is your example. No, they were right on this, but so it's not a great example. But Ohio State with the three QBs, you don't remember being force fed that? Yeah, well, they're but doing they all this, three played well. They're doing well. That's why I said they were right. But I'm saying they were the continuous arguments. Well, yeah, they blew out their opponent in the in the conference championship game, and they're doing it with their third string quarterback. Yeah. And granted, they were right. I mean, I'm not trying to take that away. They obviously were the best team that year. That's not really the example I'm trying to use, though. Like, the, the way you're talking about it is, well, this team would beat this team if they'd had somebody playing. 
That's that's the difference that they're going to be looking at. And I don't know that that's really going to be factored. It may it may come into play with somebody. I can't think of anybody where it would be this year. Yes, I hate the CFP as much as he hates Red McCombs. Why? <laughs> 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 okay. Um, Does this have to do with them counting Central Michigan as a loss? Don't open that can of worms. We don't have time. <laughs> I have to go to work in an hour, so we don't have time for that discussion. We will do a, <laughs> a show about a, that. It's a non-ending argument. We will do a show about that if we must, but we are not going to open that can of worms on here. Um, okay, rolling into Kansas State versus uh, Baylor. Uh, this one here, you kind of got slammed under the radar a little bit, you know, uh, even throughout the day, the games. But if you just kind of glanced at the score, not really knowing what happened, it was like, whoa. Um, I know I had that reaction because I didn't really get to tune into this game. I had to go back and watch the little thing they do on YouTube where they condense it into about 30 minutes. But, um, yeah, it, to me, this one just – it furthers our, our um, kind of statement about Baylor cratering, I think. I, I'm i sorry, but they're better than Kansas State in a lot of assets, a lot of areas. But even if they're not, they, they're not bad enough to lose by this much at home on top of that. Um, and, and to a Kansas State team that I know we've had discussions where we felt like they've kind of topped out, they'd kind of hit their peak. Um, this is quickly um, – Bill Snyder's comments after the game with the sideline reporter here. Well, Coach, your first win in Waco since 2002, fueled by 21 in unanswered in the third quarter. What was the difference offensively? Well, I think we made fewer mistakes. We didn't have the penalties that we had in the first half. And, you know, we ran the ball pretty well, but we got some big plays that we hadn't gotten before. Uh, maybe some of them we didn't necessarily deserve, but... Uh, Jesse did a nice job of getting us out of some tough situations and just made some big plays on his own. Your true freshman running back, Alex Barnes, with 19 carries for 129 yards. What impressed you the most about his performance? Well, same thing that always has. He just he runs, he runs hard, and that's that's all I can ask of him. And he knows how to stay on his feet, but I just like the way he runs explosively. Thank you, Coach. Congrats. Pardon. Okay, that was uh, Bill Snyder there, courtesy of uh, Kansas or of ESPN.com. Sorry, the, uh, my apology. Big Frank Sinatra fan. If if anybody read the article on ESPN with the 128 FBS coaches' favorite bands. Yeah, I saw that. That was shocker. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> I, mean, I can't imagine there was probably Frank Sinatra listed on that list for any times. <laughs> he probably watched it live with Barry Ellis. Uh, Although his uh, his second favorite was, uh, I want to say it was Foreigner. Ah, really? Talk about a little bit of randomness. Yeah, I figured it was Kansas. That's an open, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's kind of an open or broad range of music there. That's interesting. Huh. Man, oh, Alex Barnes, like he was talking about, he basically had half of his season carries in this one game. Yeah. He had carried 46 times all year and 19 in this game, and but he had four touchdowns and 129 I, yards. That's what I was going to say. I tell you what, he looked pretty good. Um, what I saw of him, man, he he looked like a running back who knew what he was doing. He, he's definitely – it's going to be interesting to see him, you know, what else they can do with him. I. It was fun to watch because they have – to me, they haven't had a, you know, just overwhelming presence at running back all year. Like, they just haven't yeah, had a guy that just gets your attention and gets you up out of your seat yeah, or anything. Yeah, it's been the, the QBs for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was, it was was fun to watch. The, and, and I guess to some degree you did see what they could do with that, you know, because Ertz is never going to be a great passer, but with any kind of running game at all, he's going to do a little more success passing. It's just how it's going to work. Right. Things are going to open up. He's going to be a little easier. I mean, he didn't have – an overwhelming day, but it was a great day for him. 16 for 25, 177 yards. I mean, 
That's a pretty solid dig. For him, that, yeah. that's a solid Just enough to keep him out of the box. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's all you need with that system that they have there this year. I mean, it's all, there's only, you're kind of peeking out there at that point. So, um, you know, Zach Smith on the other side of it, the freshman, I still think there's a chance he could be pretty good one day. Um, He's a big kid, man. Yeah, he is. He's got a heck of an arm, too. 27 for 45, 258 yards, three touchdowns, but also the three picks, which, you know, did kind of hurt him. But that's part of the growing pains. It looks like Baylor, you know, is going to just try to see what they can get done with him. They don't really have many other options at this point. So well, I guess Linwood's out of the doghouse finally. You know, he carried the ball 24 mm-hmm. times for 110 yards. I mean, that's – but I, I'm not sure that that's probably more by necessity. That's what I was going to say. I don't yeah, know. yeah. It, probably not doghouse, more like out of necessity. They have yeah. no choice. Because uh, they were pretty down at running back at this point. And – I don't know if Grove – if I'm Grove, I'm almost like to hell with it at this point. Like, you know, let him play. Let him do whatever they want to do. We're, it's do the what end you of the want, year. boys. Yeah, he's out of there in a couple of weeks anyway, so. Now, did you did you guys notice that this is the first time that Baylor didn't score a rushing touchdown in 39 games? Wow. I didn't see that, no. That was that, a, an interesting stat on ESPN. That but, is. You know, that kind of speaks to where they're at now. You know, mm-hmm. for the last, what, seven or eight years – They've built their success on running the football and in explosive plays in the passing game. And if if you're not scoring with the run game, you know, that kind of exposes what they are. Well, we saw where their weaknesses were when they were still playing good this year. Like when they were actually playing to the, you know, like nor- where they didn't look like they were ready to implode. You know, they were throwing the ball. They just didn't have that full passing attack like they've had in the past. Like we've talked about, they really only have the two outside receivers. That's pretty much it. They don't have the guys that will kill you off the screen passes and over slants over the middle and things like that like they've had. And in the running game, they you didn't have Russell running the ball, so you didn't have the full-blown attack of that either. So they've done well with what they had. But now you combine that with some injuries and there's a thing falling apart. And they've just – I mean, it's just completely – the wheels have fallen off at this point, in my well, opinion. I agree. Here's my question. Whoever comes in here, it kind of looks like they're going to have a inherit a hell of a mess. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the talent-wise, they're going to take a pretty good-sized drop. Mm-hmm. And then all the other chaos is probably going to come along with everything that's going on. I mean, it, they better hope they find the right guy because if not, this could turn into, like, bad for quite a few years for me. Yeah, this could be – they go back to being a doormat. Like the, yeah, I just, I just don't know any coach that wants – like, any up-and-coming coach, I should say, that wants to walk into that mess and yeah, like pretty much – be a career ender. You're not going to get a PJ Fleck or someone like that to come in. It's going to have to be some kind of an established coach. Yeah, you don't want anybody that has to tie their name to it because the, yeah. that's been there. But the thing is, to me, number one thing has to be come in and get, hit the ground running recruiting. Like you have to go get help because you're. This is not going to get. I don't care how good you are as a coach. I don't care what kind of be you know system whatever you want to call it is. You have you have to go get players first yeah, and foremost. You've already, you've already lost this year. I mean, they're basically. From what Grobe said, they really haven't done anything. They've kind of yeah. invited some guys to come to watch some games, but kind of just said, look, in a few more weeks, we'll have some more idea of where we're going to go, and, and we just want you to know that we might be interested. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, with that being said, that's that's the reason I actually think that Chad Morris is going to be the next coach of Baylor. That That's my, my prediction. I think he has ties. He's really good with the high schools, which was a huge thing for Bryles. Yeah, you have to get a Texas He's guy. He's getting out of SMU, going to a Power 5 school at Baylor. He can do it. I, I, I feel like that's probably going to be their best best bet for success going forward. Yeah, and he's been around a lot. He's been around enough that I don't think – I mean, to fail here and what – to me, if you're a coach, I don't care, good or bad, young or old, 
you know, reputation or none, you have to ask the question of what kind of trouble are we going to be in in the next, you know, five years? Like, that has to be somewhat made clear. And I don't think it can be because Baylor hasn't given up all the things that they've needed to give up to allow that process to take place. Well, there's going to be a clean sweep of the co- existing coaching staff as soon as the season's over. Well, that's not – I'm that. just talking about, like, their – well, like, I, I know. Like, sanctions or whatever. Yeah, happens. we need to know what's coming down the road if I'm a coach. Like, if I'm bringing a staff in here, I've got guys with families on the line and everything. Like, what is going to be brought down to us as a hammer? Is it something that's even possible for us to deal with and survive? Well, and the, the, the thing is to me, too, like, if to me, if Baylor is smart, they would put some self-sanctions on them to try to ease the blow. A lot. For, but they haven't done anything smart <laughs> this whole time. I know, that's, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, like, if, if you're a coach coming in, like, you, you, you're coming into a – crazy situation yeah it's i mean i don't know i i feel bad honestly i feel bad for whoever's gonna take the job because it could turn out really bad real fast Mm -hmm. well i guess good luck to him that's all i can really say at this point um any final thoughts on this game okay i think it just baylor like you've said several times there the implosion has started and it's probably gonna ride out to the end of the year unlike kindles who do they got they got west virginia next (laughs) west virginia is their last game yeah, I don't know if they have anybody next week. I, oh no, no, they'll have to play next week because they, they play, play Texas Tech bodies. next week. Yeah, which oddly enough, they're a five-point favorite over Tech. They are yes, huh? Over anybody else in the conference? So Wait, is that game in a, Lubbock? Underdog. Yes, it's in Lubbock too. In Lubbock, hmm. That'll be interesting. If Tech shows up for that one, that could be interesting. Um, well, at least Baylor got eligible eligible before they fell apart. Give them that. Uh, of course, you know, it may not be good for the Big 12 in bowl games, though. Of course, like <laughs> 90% of the high schools could have got bowl eligible against that schedule. But all right, uh, rolling into the next one uh, Texas Tech versus uh, Iowa State. This one, I, I don't know, I would say maybe even more so than, than Kansas upsetting Texas. This one to me goes kind of the shocker of the day because of the score. I agree. Not necessarily the fact they won in the fashion that they won in. Like they just absolutely took Texas Tech to the woodshed. And. You know, speaking of disinterested, to me there was a lot of disinterested going on in this game from the Texas Tech side of it. Once things got out of hand, uh, once you, once you got about mid third quarter, it was thirty five to three ish. Uh, you could tell like Mahomes was I don't know Mahomes just didn't even look like he normally looked either. Like I mean, just like you know manner mannerisms and everything, he just didn't look like himself. To well, me. and he got hurt. He got hurt in that game. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much that affected him. Well, during the latter part of the game when it came back. This but. clip I'm getting ready to play here, which to me was when it kind of just became a circus at this point, um, was uh, he kind of almost just threw off his back foot. He had, like, no mobility at this point. But to me, this was 35-3, this was, uh, to three, third quarter, second quarter, 35-3, <laughs> middle, not even quite the middle point of the second quarter, seven minutes, I guess it is middle point, seven minutes left, uh, third and ten. And to me, this is where the game just, comp- the floodgates, I mean, I know 35-3, to three, right? But to me, this is when it was kind of like, okay, this is just getting ridiculous. Pressure coming again. And this is picked up by Kyle Moyle. Kyle Moyle. He's got the blocker. Touchdown. Second interception of the year for Kamari Kyle Moyle. Second turnover of the day for Texas Tech. And the. And that that was uh, the second of I don't know what did it end up being three turnovers I think I have to look and I'll have it in front of me but um, yeah it, to me man that that's when it just kind of became just, uh, yeah three turnovers just absurdity at that point uh, I mean 
there was no bringing Tech back at that point. You could tell they were done. Because even down 35-3 to in the second quarter, if it's Tech standing on the other side of the ball, you got to feel like there's a chance they could come back and get you uh, if they had to, you know, if you, if you fold it up. But at that point, it became – I mean, you just saw heads drop. You just To me, it was really noticeable that, okay, we're done. Like, th- it's over. Iowa State is going to just absolutely run through them. So You know, one, one good thing to come out of this game – for Tech, and it's kind of a continuation of what's been going on in the latter part of the season, but Ward for Texas Tech has kind of stepped up and established himself as the running back of the future for them. Yes, he which has. The, which yes, they hadn't has. had all year after, well, since really since Washington left. Yeah, that's been a big deal for them. I And I know, you know, in this game, even though they got taken to the woodshed, look at this, 90, or 25 carries for 97 yards. Like, that's not normal for Tech. No, it's not. Like, 25 carries is no. crazy. Well, um well, you know, we, we've we've dogged on Texas Tech's defense all season long, mm-hmm. and they deserve if, it. If if this doesn't prove to you how bad it is, I don't know what will. I mean, no. you give up sixty six points, you, you give up ten to thirteen on third down conversion, you give up six hundred nine yards to Iowa State. I mean, just if you look at these numbers, I mean, golly, it, you yeah. can't you cannot win ball games like this. Uh, I know I've it's, said it on here. I know I've said it on here probably twenty times, but this is the worst Big Twelve defense I've ever seen, <laughs> and. Now, granted, there's been, like we said, some Baylor teams in the early 2000s that were actually probably worse talent-wise, but they played better as a system than this team does. This team doesn't even – I mean, it doesn't keep in its lanes. It doesn't know its responsibilities. And then on top of that, they're not the most talented on the back half of that defense anyway. So it's just – I mean, hands down, you're not going to convince me there's been a worse defense in the Big 12's history than this one. Well, do you think this might be the case kind of like with Texas where – you know, they they obviously probably aren't going to move on from Kingsbury. Did they make a move at the coordinator position? Did they fire Gibbs? See, I don't know because all you get is this crap where he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I don't know. Like, Well, I think we've seen this. This is kind of the yeah, Kansas moment for him. Yeah, like at what point do you just say, okay, enough is enough. They've gotten worse ever since he's been here. Like, I guess you give him time. I don't know, but, like, it, you almost have to make a change. They're, they're almost – you not get the feeling that something has to change this year in the offseason? I think so. Hello. How long has he been there? Since early 2015, I think. Like, I think they hired. If I remember right, they hired him like in the spring of 2015. Maybe they're trying to get him to recruit some people in or something. I don't know. I don't know. Like, well, he's bringing I in some recruits. Can... Yeah, he's actually. Done. If you go look at, I just noticed some guys they've had that they've had commit. They've some names of guys that are better than some of the guys they've had there in recent years. Um, now it'll be two years before we see what any of that turns into, but I just don't know that. To me. You almost feel like there has to be a change at some point in this off season. Something you just can't go into the same season with the right. same setup. No, I agree. Sometimes you just have to make a change to make a change. Yeah, and it, and to me, he has to be you know the catalyst for that change. Like I don't know what else you do here. You can't really go after the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> so and and granted, if they didn't have Mahomes, it wouldn't be probably half of what it is. But still, you can't do that. So I don't know. You you know he's got to be frustrated too. I mean, oh yeah, it's got to be the point where he's. He's almost like go ahead and fire me. Well, he, I mean, it's, you you go out there and play like this, jeez, man. And you can't have any confidence in yourself at this point either. Like I, at one point, do you say well, maybe I don't know what I'm doing here? <laughs> Clearly, that hasn't happened for Mike Stoops, but uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen. At some point, you got to go, huh? Maybe I don't know exactly what's going on well, here. Well, do you guys think it's pretty clear that Mahomes is gone? I he has to be. Like, why would you come back and put your body in the line for this team again? Yeah. And when you can go yeah. make millions and get the heck out, like it'd be different He's, if you were saying, "Okay, we got a chance to be really good next year." I just don't know how you no. say that. Only only way I'd come back is if the if the draft grade comes back lower than what what they're projecting Which now. Is no way it's going to. Which yeah, I don't think so either. I think, yeah, I agree. He's 
he's been put up there and all the stuff that I've seen, he's been pretty yeah. rated pretty high. To get me to come back to this team in Lubbock, it'd have to be like a fifth round greater worse, <laughs> fifth round greater worse. Like that'd be the only way. Well, you know, and something I saw for or saw earlier today is that Lanning confirmed that he's not transferring. So they'll have, they'll have both quarterbacks back next year too. So maybe well, we see some c- continued success going into next year. If they use them like kind of like they did in this game, I'm all for it. I mean, like you know, that's what we like we talked about earlier in the show. Th- this yeah. is this is what we were talking about. Utilize what the two guys do good and mm-hmm. put them in the game like that. Oh, well, maybe yeah. this has been a long filling out process. Been a long <laughs> filling out process. I, I mean, if this turns out to be the way they go forward, I hey, that's fine. I'm all for it. You know, yeah. bravo, that's fine. I'm but, same way. If you're going to go back to this crap, if we're doing this again in September where they're 50-50 playing the exact same snaps, exact same formation, exact same play, like you're not – did did we not feel like we were just spinning in the mud during that part of the year? Oh, yes. And then now there's clearly an established, you know, game plan going forward that actually looks like it could be successful. I mean, do you guys see the difference? Do you guys feel the difference all across all of us here? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I mean definitely. They're basically, I think it's more with uh, Campbell, you know, trying to see what he had out there, I guess, more – more than anything else. I mean, he's got to give those guys chances in games and see what they can do, and I think he's finally taking a grasp to actually seeing what he's – or taking a grasp what his eyes are actually seeing on the field. He's actually seeing that Lanning's more the running type and Park's the thrower, so yeah. he's starting to put him in position to be successful. I mean, my I'm no I'm not a multimillion-dollar coach, and by no means am I near as smart as him, but did I not tell you guys, like, in San Diego State or whoever it was they played that Park is the better passer? Like, I knew that at that game. Whoever their last game was where they demolished a non-conference. San Jose State. Yeah, San Jose State. Like, I came away from that game telling you guys, Parker is the better passer. Like, it was clear to me at that point. And yeah, I don't know no, what I else think... he I don't know what else he needed to see after that. And, like, granted, I'm not him. He makes way more money than I ever will. But, like, I just don't know what else he needed to see after that game. But I, I don't know. I well, guess he needed to see something. And the good thing going forward for our Iowa State fans is they're basically returning all of their playmakers. I mean – Warren's Warren's coming back. He's basically said, you know, regardless of what's happened on the off the field stuff, he's he's set on staying there. Lazard's already confirmed he's not oh, going that's to the, right. he's not going that's to the right. draft. He's coming back. Yeah. You'll have another year, an actual year with an experienced line where they've played an entire season together. Right. Their defense well, is pretty young too, isn't it? If I remember right. I yeah, think they're the, pretty young. Well, the, the good thing is too, I mean, if you look at some of the recruits that they're they're landing, yeah, they're, they're, they're going they're, off. Yeah, I'm saying they're mm-hmm. they're they're built they're People watch out. They're, they're up and coming. I mean, I'm not saying they're you know they're going to be winning a Big 12 title anytime soon. Right, but, but they'll but be they're, competitive. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be way more competitive next year than they were this year. You know? Yeah. So they're not going to be the rollover game for we'll, anybody. We'll get into that with our recruiting specials later on in the year. But Iowa State fans, that's something to definitely get excited about. He's um, just in terms of volume of and quality with that volume, he's doing a heck of a job on the recruiting trail. So. Um, yeah, get excited about that. And then they, I can't for the life of me remember the kid's name. I, I had it written down or on my phone or somewhere, and I forgot to bring it in the show. But the wide receiver they got, the young guy, the freshman, that guy, he's really good. Like, he's going to be a very talented playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kid next year in the Big 12, watch out for um, him making some dangerous plays on people. Because to me, you get Lazard and you get, like, him in the slot and then roll him to the outside sometimes too, back and forth, like – uh, he, to me, he could be one of those dangerous, you know, smaller receivers in the Big 12. So, um, be interesting to watch with him. Uh, anything else on this one before we move on to Oklahoma State? I'm good on this one. Okay. Uh, going into the second of the last ones that we had here, uh, OSU and TCU. Um, I'll be honest. I'll be the first to admit this one surprised me a little bit. 
from the not necessarily that Oklahoma State won. I thought by all means they could win, but uh, I just didn't expect them to take it to TCU like this, um, or maybe lack of TCU scoring. However you want to look at that, um, you know, I to me thirty one points against TCU. Even though going into this they were technically the Big 12's second best defense if you look at the standings according to people. Um, and OSU was the second best offense. I just didn't expect them to, you know, only put up six points. So, uh, I guess I'll turn it over to our Oklahoma State guys here. What did you guys uh, see, like, hate, love? Uh, I, the, the, the scores kind of surprised me. I, I was expecting TCU to put up more points. I, I, I was expecting, you know, a 35-31 type game. Like, that. that's kind of what I was picturing in my head with going into the game. OSU's defense played really well, and then Kenny Hill was well the the Kenny <laughs> Hill that you know you, you the Jacqueline Hyde. I mean, it, mm. two plays he looks like man, this kid could play football, and then he does something really really stupid, and it's, it it just kind of showed up in this game quite often. Yep. It's yeah, I to me it was definitely like you said. There, there was a time where I think we were talking back and forth like, "There's Kenny Hill, <laughs> there's the guy that's going to throw you out of a out of a game if you don't, if you let him sometimes." Or make yeah, that crucial I just, mistake. I don't think Kenny Hill has the smarts to be a quarterback. I think he's, you know, he knows what the hot route is or whatever the the read is on the play, and he puts that guy down and tosses it his way regardless of who's on him, what yeah, what linebacker runs in front of it or anything. He doesn't look at the defense. He just runs the plays that's supposed to be run or designed to run. To me, yeah. he's a lot like Trevor Knight was, and like uh, Skyler Howard has been through most of his career. He shows flashes of, man, this could be awesome. And then other times where you're like, good God, what was he looking at? Like, I don't have any clue. There was nothing but three on the other team's players in this corner, and he threw it here. Like, you know, it just, it, it's just, that's, it's hard to watch that as a fan because you get excited. I know, I've lived it. You get excited, you get excited, and you're starting to get on top, and then boom. And there goes the other team for 60 yards with the ball. <laughs> and it's just like, what do you do at that point? Like, you're, you don't really have another answer. I mean, Sawyer. I think he's a really good player, um, but I just don't know that he gives you enough to keep you in games in the Big 12. So, um, real quickly, I was going to play this, and I forgot. The running backs for Oklahoma State were absolutely phenomenal in this game. Uh, they ran through over, uh, you know, whatever they wanted to do against TCU. This was 10-6 to here in the third quarter, and this is where it kind of got away, I felt like. Um, this is uh, Carson just absolutely plowing through two TCU guys to score a touchdown that pretty much ended the game at this point. Mason Rudolph. There's that intentionality. How about that? Carson on cue. Touchdown. His seventh rushing touchdown. And that, my friend, was running with lean. Just have Jeff Gladney, number 12, who tries to come up and force his play. He just bounced right off him. Carson just runs through the leg drive, high-stepping in for the score. I'll tell you, that's that's physical right there. Running with pad level. And that's uh, Carson there. Carson being what uh, we were all sold on he was going to be last year. Right. Um, really coming on in the second half of the season and uh, – you know, offering one heck of a one-two punch there with Justice Hill. Yeah, to to me, one of the things that was kind of interesting in this game, I, I feel like Patterson may have actually outcoached himself and, and potentially cost him the game early. You know, right before halftime, they had a chance to score, and that's when OSU came up with pretty much the series of the game when they were able to hold them without scoring right before halftime when they held them on fourth down. But it, it was weird because – 
instead of, you know, you have your dual threat quarterback in there with Hill, he took him out and went wildcat with Hicks. So you have a, you're kind of limiting yourself. You're actually taking an option out of your offense at that point. And then on fourth down, they, you know, get too cute and try to do some kind of halfback pass where it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that was, that was a little bit strange to me. And, you know, they ended up stopping him again on fourth down at, towards the end zone as well. It was, it was kind of a weird game from Patterson. Yeah, it, to me it just wasn't. Yeah, it didn't look like they put their best foot forward in this game on all sides of the ball. Um, you know, I definitely, you know, I, I think if you played this game ten times, I don't think this is going to be the score every time. I just, To me it was just a, a, a really bad overall performance by TCU combined with just Oklahoma State absolutely just being the better person on all sides of the ball, just yeah. taking it to them any way they could. The defense, that's another thing too that can't be understated. TCU's offensive line got destroyed in this game. I mean, OSU's linebackers were camping tents in the back of the field. Like it just. Well, see that that's the thing. Since the last couple of games where OSU's actually showed a, a bit of defensive improvement, they've gone to that three three five ever since the the West Virginia game, mm-hmm. and they've been doing this. And the person I was watching the game with commented on it, where you know, as an OSU fan, you're kind of used to the linebackers taking a step back as soon as the ball is snapped every time. Mm-hmm. This game, they were playing forward. Mm-hmm. As soon as the ball was snapped, they were going forward, and they were they were getting in the backfield continuously. And that it was it was all over. The defensive line dominated the offensive line, and the linebackers just had their way. Yeah, to me, you saw what the three three five can be when you can control the line of scrimmage. When you can control the line of scrimmage with the front guys and bring linebackers from wherever, and that's what Oklahoma State did. They brought them from left, right, through the middle, whatever at different times when you have that flexibility and then you also have you know depending on what your numbers are you're going to run seven guys or whatever six guys in the backfield drop back that gives you a lot of security as a defensive coordinator in this league well so uh, another thing that was kind of weird was that osu didn't even have jordan burton Mm -hmm. he didn't play in the game chad whitener didn't play much in the game they had a lot of young guys playing and that's that's something that's kind of different from last year where they had the you know the collapse at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of backups playing that are going to play meaningful minutes even in Bedlam. Yeah, well, that that's why maybe it helps them this year, which is why I thought TCU would be a lot better this year. They had so many injuries last season. So many guys on that roster played, which, you know, going forward, this could be a reason that Oklahoma's good or bad next year. You had so much injuries with TCU, I thought, Man, they're going to be a lot better this year with that playing time. Right. And I think OSU, that may have helped them last year, getting so many guys getting to see quality snaps. So, Well, you know. the, the guys playing this year, though, were a lot of guys that got redshirted last year. They're just they're, – they've been able to play throughout the entire season. Whereas mm-hmm. last year you had – this is – you know, this is our guy. These are our guys. They're the only ones that are able to play right now. And, you you know, you've talked about it in the past with some of the teams that – the defensive line have to stay out there for 100 snaps. Mm-hmm. That takes a toll. Whether they, you know, they may play good that game, but the next game and the next game further on down the road, they're getting worn out. Yeah, you can't sustain that. No. Well. Calling by the staff earlier before the show started, but uh, Hicks had 25 carries for 47 yards, which is crazy. Well, and his long his longest carry was 14 yards. So if you take that one carry out, he had 24 for 33 yards. I mean, that's yeah, that, that's kind of speaks to the dominance of the defensive line. We're yeah, I mean, about. I, that that's bad. That's yeah, terrible average. Kenny Hill only had uh, had eight carries for 79 yards, like he did really well for what he had. But it was weird that Hicks just didn't really. Well, and a lot of that yeah. was on one run he too. Yeah, he did have a long run too. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, I just to me. We talked about, well, they go with Hicks. Can they start using him and all that? And I just, 
I just don't know. I, I they almost feel lost on offense right now. Like they almost feel like they don't know what their identity is at this point. Um, and when they do try to do things with Hill, he screws it up. So well, and TCU had a lot of drops too. Yeah, they didn't have chances all, to make plays. It wasn't all on Hill. It was kind of a, a, an off game. You know, Turpin wasn't really involved as much as I thought he would be. He had three catches and one carry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, guys, guys handled the ball four times. I mean, well, and he wasn't involved. O- Oklahoma State was able to shut him down in the return game. Right. I only remember one catch by White. You know, who I consider basically baby Turpin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, he, he looked pretty good. Uh, Todd, Todd Williams didn't didn't get too involved. It was just they didn't. You know, I don't know how much credit to give to OSU's defense, or you know how much was a bad game by TCU, but they just they didn't play their best game. I just sure. expected way more coming off a of bye week. I figured they would, you know, really have a chance to study Oklahoma State and really have a chance to come out and, and assert themselves with a game plan. And granted, there were some situations earlier where balls had been caught. It could have led to different situations and scores and things. But overall, they just to me, it did not feel like they put their best foot forward in any way at all. Yeah, I expected a lot more carries for Hill. I, I, you know, OSU has traditionally struggled with a quarterback run game, and you have an athlete like that. And they, you know, like we're talking at the goal line, they, they take him out of the game in certain spots where you would think that he would be in there to at least have the run pass option. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely want to run the ball instead of throwing the ball. Yeah, I mean, let's Especially be honest. Especially down right by now, the goal I mean, line, yeah. He's just – he's so sporadic. You so can't I mean. rely on him at all like that, no. Um, so, um, going into uh, anything else before we <coughs> – excuse me, before we move on into anything else here? No. no right. Before we move into our last game? Okay. Uh, rolling to our last game of the day, uh, we had Oklahoma-West Virginia. Uh, one I think we felt like all would be a shootout. Uh, you know, the weather, I think, kind of infringed upon that. Some pregame antics we can get into or not get into, I felt like, went into that. Um, real quickly, I felt like this was kind of the play of the game. And and maybe not. It's too hard in a game like this with all the scoring to really say this turned it, this didn't. I mean, the turnovers hurt. All of it hurt. But um, this, to me, was just kind of, you know, just kind of an example of the night they had overall. <clears throat> backfield from Mayfield. Some pressure gets it out quickly. Complete. Look out. Westbrook can fly. Escapes. D.D. Westbrook does not lose foot races. Touchdown, Oklahoma. 75 yards. And that was uh, D.D. Westbrook on basically what amounts to a screen pass. He had two guys in front of him blocking there behind the line of scrimmage, and he goes 75 yards. And, uh, you know, plants a guy into the ground that's you know should have tackled him so you know all 175 80 pounds of him there yeah just just to clarify for for you guys that didn't know and i don't think it was posted anywhere but my bold prediction for the week was that westbrook would not have more than 75 yards receiving which he picked up on that one (laughs) catch so for uh bedlam my bold prediction is that he will have zero yards receiving yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he pretty much did all his damage in two catches there. Yeah, yeah, two, so, two for hundred yeah, yards. Yeah, two for hundred yards. Yeah. This guy's crazy. Yeah, I just, I don't know what you do about him. I, at this point, you almost have to see he's say he's going to get his, and then we have to well, beat him in other ways. I, I would recommend, you know, if you're a linebacker and you put your hands on him, to pull him to the ground and not let him push you off. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was kind of crazy for a linebacker to miss that tackle. That guy's going to get killed in media yeah. on Monday, I'm sure, or today. Well, I thought. Uh, I mean, Westbrook's another guy too that like Foreman. Uh, except on a better team, uh, I think he deserves some Heisman consideration as well. Yeah, I, no, think I agree. He, that he's put together. He gets to go, but you know how long has it been since 
a wide receiver actually won the Heisman. Oh, no doubt. I think he would need more more special teams plays yeah. to I be think, able to, to he's win. He's definitely it, putting together a crazy year. I think he, Does he have already 15 touchdowns or something like that? Or, yeah, I yeah, guess 15 receiving. for like almost 1,300 yards or something yeah. like that. And all that wasn't even including the first two or three games. He's averaging mm-hmm. 19.3 yards a, a touch. Yep. Yeah, that's, he that's he, insane. he got healthy on the, the bye week, and that was I guess after the third game, and that's when it really started. So however many games that is, that's when all this started. Well, and I I criticized him early because I think I thought he was more of just a I'm super fast, so I'm just going to run straight down the field and you know run by people. But he's proven me wrong. He's he's made some tough catches, and I'll, I'll give him props. That's one thing that's changed over the off season, and what we talked about it earlier in, in one of our shows where. He worked with uh, Sterling Shepard quite a bit on his route running, and I think that's paid off, paid huge dividends for him. Yeah, because coming out of JUCO, that was kind of his his thing was, I'm going to just beat you with my speed. And you know, he did you know run some deep posts and stuff like that, but for the most part, he didn't really run any challenging routes. He's starting to become a better route runner through this season. Like you're starting to see it, and then. You know, like you talked about too, he's he's actually competing for catches. He went up and got that ball what, last week against Baylor. Like that was impressive. I wasn't. I'll be honest. I didn't expect him to do something like that. Well, and he's he's fighting for yards too. I was yeah. I was pretty impressed with one play. I think it was the his second catch. Where he had like the dude. He had three guys on him, and he mm-hmm. was still dragging people forward. And he's not a big guy. No, no, he's and not. In fact, I would not recommend no. doing that in Bedlam. No, you probably you can't. You know, I, 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 we talked about the weather. You touched on it a little bit with the snow and everything. I, when I seen the snow coming down and everything, and the snow covering the field, I thought, well, this, this is playing into OU's hands because yeah. they're they're tandem running backs. You know, this is going to be more with the wind and everything. This is going to be a lot more of a, a running game, and I felt like. Well, obviously the numbers show that. I mean, but I I felt like OU had a, a leg up going into the game with the weather being the way it was. Yeah, I felt that too. But honestly, what I saw about I kept seeing it all over on Twitter before the game that all oh, this favors West Virginia. They're a running team, and yada yada yada. And all that. I'm like, guys, are you stupid? Like, do you not know the two running backs that are in that backfield? I mean, Hurst Street said it himself. Probably the best two running backs on one team in the, the entire country. Yeah, no, I would. Like, I would. And you have a line that has that. basically just been road grading people for the last six, eight weeks. So, like, I just, I just didn't understand that that at all. Like, if you want to say it's pretty even, maybe I'll just play along with that, I guess. But to say West Virginia was advantage there was just dumb to me. Well, and, you know, I, I put it in my, my blog I put out. But to me, West Virginia, this, this moment was too big for them right now. They're, they weren't ready for this game. They let themselves – it, it became bigger than the game. Right. By the time that they were like, "Oh crap, we need to start playing our game," it was too late. Yeah, I I do think, I do think they were jacked up and ready to play for this. I think that I think that's where the uh, pregame antics may have sent them over the top. I think they were so jacked up and so ready. The the little you know meeting they had at midfield with OU, if that's what you want to call it. I think that's what just completely just. Yeah, they like, went. They blew nuts. their minds at that point. Yeah, the the. I mean, if you watched early in that game, I even brought it up. They were beating the crap out of the players after tackling mm-hmm. them. I mean, just all kinds of – like, I have never really in my mind right. associated West Virginia with being a dirty team. Now I will until I'm proven that they're not because uh, that I, was just ridiculous. I, I think they were just, you know, super amped up. They I were mean, like toddlers lashing out. Well, like, you had that, just, well, that one play, I think it was in the second quarter, where they had two personal fouls on yes. one play and, and probably should have been called for more. He should have yeah. been thrown out of the game. Yeah. Well, the, the, ref, yeah. the one guy should have been thrown out of the game, and then you have the other guy ripping Samia's helmet off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it I, was, I was pretty impressed with Samia for not doing anything because you know he kind of came in as a a peacemaker, and the guy turns around on him and just lashes out. 
what I thought was crazy was all the discussion after too. Like, you know, there's a lot of stilled photos of those shorter defensive linemen going after Orlando Brown, who, by the way, is six uh, eight, three hundred and forty pounds. Probably not the guy you want to go after, but they were sitting there going after him, and he puts out on Twitter after the game, everybody wants the monster until the monster appears. <laughs> and then like coaches were posting stuff like coaches actual OU coaches were saying stuff like West Virginia you're always running your mouth and it never pans out or something like that and just like I could not believe all that came from this game like it felt like a big game going into it because of what was on the line but it turned out to feel like way bigger afterwards yeah yeah well it, you you can't you can't let your emotions get a hold of you like that i mean it, it took West Virginia completely out of their game and all of a sudden they blink and they're down 21 nothing yeah. And against a team like Oklahoma that's going to keep putting up points, you cannot do that. Well, and you know, you can't do that. This game felt a lot like the Louisville Clemson game to me. Like mm-hmm. you had Louisville got way too, and, and Lamar Jackson just way too amped up in the first half, mm-hmm. took him out of his game. He made uncharacteristic mistakes. And by the time that he really started playing, it was just, it was too little too late. Yeah. Now it was closer in that case, but you didn't have all the turnovers right. that, you know, when you turn the ball over, as much as West Virginia did, as it's far, hard to come back. As far as gameplay on the field, one thing OU has got to figure out. I mean, it, this happened in, to them with Clemson. It's happened to them with Texas in the past. It happened to them this game. Jordan Evans came off the field, and this defense fell apart bad. Like, it just and, – and granted, some of it was formational adjustments and schematic adjustments by Mike Stoops trying to, I think, make up for it by coverage, extra coverage and things like that and just playing softer which to me was stupid. That's where OU lost control of this game, in my opinion, too, on offense. They started just running the ball and basically laying down. But defensively, they almost just said, we're going to go into like a prevent defense here um, when Jordan left that game and just start, you know, the three down linemen push a little bit. The rest of us are going to drop back. West Virginia ran all over that. There was one I saw today that a guy posted where OU was basically in a 4-2-5, and they handed the ball to Crawford, and there was nobody within 20 yards of him before he got hit. But once he broke through that initial three guys, like it just to me, they've got to figure that out. You can't fall apart when one guy leaves the field that often. Well, like it's it's getting ridiculous. OU's go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, OU's got to figure out a different backup for Evans. I mean, the guy that replaced him was Ruben Hunter, which is, I think, from the stat sheet, said he was about 190 pounds. Yeah, I don't even know. You've got a linebacker. He's a walk-on. Yeah, so say I don't even, Yeah, I, I know they're hurt. There's guys that aren't there that should be there to fill in that gap. But still, they've got to have better answers. I mean, they're playing yeah. Bill. Capri Doucette played special teams. He could have at least tried to fill in that position to some degree. Um, and the thing that I noticed, too, Caleb Kelly, where was he? Like, he didn't play hardly at all that game, or if he played at all. I don't know if he even played a snap. I didn't notice him. And that's well, one thing to watch. There. Well, he didn't play near enough because he wasn't present like in a lot of those run situations. That was the big difference, too, was if you notice going back against Ohio State, the one thing that was talked about was how they got ran all over by Ohio State when they tried to bring uh, the nickel uh, Johnson in to play like that hybrid linebacker spot. They ran right at him and tore him apart because he couldn't hold up. It's gotten better with, with Caleb Kelly. That's one thing to watch in Bedlam going forward will be that chess match. If Yersich can take advantage and run right at the times when um, Will Johnson is out there playing that hybrid position, if they can run right at them, they will kill OU there. If Caleb Kelly comes in and they start passing and have success that way and have to force Will Johnson to come in, they can hurt OU there. So that's one thing to watch. Like When Caleb Kelly's been there, they've done a really good job defending the run, but they're a little bit softer defending the pass than they are with Will Johnson. 
So that's really it's kind of pick your poison in that situation. I really don't know what you do. Well, one thing I I was when I was watching the game, I, I couldn't figure out what Hogerson was doing. I mean. Crawford would break off a 20-yarder, 20-yarder, 10-yarder, and then pass, pass, Yeah, pass. throw two or three passes uh, in a row. It was crazy. I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand that. Like, I mean, he, in my opinion, Crawford, he had he only had 24 carries. He, he would have been foreman to me. He would have had 51 carries. Yeah. Well, I, I would have just kept handing the ball. Yeah, you know, I wonder how much, you know, his health concerns were because he was injured coming into the game. I don't think they'd intended to even really well, use him. I think McCoy was going to play, but then he gets hurt the first play of the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously Rochelle Shell was still banged up. In my opinion, though, th- this game was big enough where you you keep running yeah. until he does get hurt. I mean, I know that sounds bad to say. But, I would have done it too. I mean, but as for what this game meant to West Virginia, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's that's my opinion. I would have just kept running until he he fell over. Well, and especially early when there wasn't any success in the passing game. Right. You know, later they had a little bit of success with the passing game, but by that point, it was too late when you. When he started, I mean, he ran good in the first half too. He just didn't have the touchdowns. He had the, the turnover inside yeah. the five yard line. But I still, I think they almost had two hundred yards rushing in the first half. Yeah. See, and the other thing too is like we're talking about, especially when Evans went out, they were playing in formations that just favored you running against them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they were dropping back and just basically saying, "We're going to try to contain and hope we don't get killed." And, and not all. Go ahead. Keep going. No, go ahead. It's fine. I say not only that, we're the. Players were just completely out of position, overrunning their contain and everything else. I mean, once he made one cut, he was free for another 20 yards. Well, that's the thing, too. You're trying to close a position on that guy from 20 yards away, running as fast as you can, and then all of a sudden he cuts and you're left going the other way with your <laughs> knees, you know, basically falling off of you. So you know, this, this this thought just crossed my mind, but maybe what they were doing is they, they realized yeah, they were so far down that they – we're trying to play catch up with the passing game, but in effect, they were doing the same by running the ball because right. they were getting passing yards on well, running plays. They, they averaged ten point two yards carry. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I think I mean, that kind of shocked them. Maybe. I mean, that's a first down every time. I mean, I mean, realistic. I mean, realistically, it's not. Which, but I'm mean, saying, but averaging a, a first down every time touches the ball I against. Mean, I'd have to check, but going into that game, I'm pretty positive against this Big 12 second best run defense this year. So, I mean, like I don't. To me, that's pretty astounding. Like, I don't know how you – they they shouldn't have given up that much. Like, that's insane. Probably so, the most shocking stat for me looking at this game is Crawford had 24 carries for 331 yards and zero touchdowns. Yeah, yeah that's on him. He should have – the in the, uh, the the first half when fumble. he fumbled it, yeah, that was just mm-hmm. – he was way too careless with the ball there. Yeah. Okay. Well, go ahead, Kendall. Well, I mean, I was just thinking I, – I can't blame Hogerson a little bit too. I mean, you got to keep feeding the guy the ball. I mean, yeah. God, I mean, he's he's lighting him up. Like, I mean, I've never – it's kind of like in the NBA or whatever you watch, when a scorer's hot, you keep feeding him the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same terminology. That's what you got to do. I, I was just amazed when I was watching it. I kept thinking, just keep handing the ball. Just mm-hmm. get out of his way. You know, he's he's making cuts. He's looking good. He's being patient. Give him the ball. And then yeah. if OU does adjust and goes into formations to defend that run, then you've got him pinned where you want in the pass game too. So, right. like – yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. I would have kept running until well, they forced them to do something can, different. Can we all agree that West Virginia's probably entrenched themselves in the upper half of the, the league for the, at least the next several years? Oh, yeah, they're definitely yeah. building. The, and they've got talent. They're building there. I, I don't know that they're still – like I said, especially with their defense, I think it was still just a bunch of guys for the most part playing a really good system. Yeah. I don't think they were overwhelmingly talented at any position. Well, and, you know, um, we can kind of kill the, the Holgerson on the hot seat talk. He, yeah, he, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think you have to keep him there right now. I don't really know what your better option is. I mean, who are you going to get to come there that's much better at this well, point? Well, I, I read some, some rambling earlier in the year that, you know, maybe 
force him out and promote the defensive coordinator to coach. I wouldn't do that. There's I no wouldn't either. I'd, I'd keep Holgerson's offense unless he goes somewhere else. It's not like the defense – I mean, they've been good there, but it's not like they've just been Alabama. I don't think there's enough to really uh, – if they were, like, changing the way the Big 12 played defense, I might consider that. But Yes, yeah, I'd heard some, some – uh, seen some rumors of Holgerson maybe being involved in some of these open coaching jobs like Oregon and – and stuff like that because he does – I mean, when he's running his offense, it's an explosive offense. Mm -hmm. He'd be a good fit for for Oregon or, you know, I don't know, Texas, I, whatever. I think he'd do better in a bigger place that just gets more talent overall. Like LSU. Right? Yeah, I think he'd do great there. Uh, I mean, just places where he can get more talent, I think he'd do fine. He's a good coach. Uh, a little crazy, but he's a good coach. <laughs> you got to have a crazy coach, man. Um, all one right. Thing, one thing West Virginia better watch out for is they got Iowa State next week. And with, with this game, big letdown – I actually thought of that too. For yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they still got a potential big bowl in front of them, uh, depending on what happens with OU and West Virginia, and or I mean OU and sorry, I was reading West Virginia, OU and uh, OSU. Depending on what happens with that, and other, I mean, there's some other standings and all That's that. It's pretty much locked out, in though that OU and OSU are the top two bowl teams. Yeah, but I mean, they could if they all of a sudden go into the tank there against Iowa State, they, they oh, yeah. could be looking at what the. They're looking at what the Alamo Bowl right now. Alamo, maybe. Yeah, yeah. something like that. So. Um, because, I mean, even if OSU loses to OU, they still have a chance as an at-large in the Big Six. So, or even the other way, reverse. You know, OU would still have a chance at, you know, a Big Six at-large bid. I think so, OU would have a better shot at an at-large bid than I OSU think so will. Too. I don't know. It just depends on how far OSU feels. Let's be, let's be honest. If OSU loses, they're plummeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it depends on what fashion. If you go into Norman and lose by one point, I mean, I don't think it's really that bad for you. But, I don't know. We'll see. Um. Anything else? We quickly? will not see. Corey's got to hurry. Corey's, <laughs> Corey's got to go to work. So, anything else to add to any of this? No, we're good. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts before we leave? I know we didn't really get a chance to dive into the Charlie Strong stuff as much as we probably wanted, but well, we have time. Uh, I will say that against the spread, we don't have formal tabulation, but it was awful. Yeah, as usual. Or. You uh, no, for everybody. Well, Brady, hey, we got to give a shout out to Brady for doing the uh, the Houston, picking Houston to beat Louisville, or at yeah, least cover the spread. I guess. Yeah, yeah, covered that one. Yeah, by a little just bit, just slightly. That was that started the weekend of just craziness. Also, also shout out to me for picking West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I think early when I was watching that game, I was watching. And I was like, man, I'm up forty five nothing right now. Surely they can't blow forty five <laughs> points. <laughs> uh, See, if I was watching that, I would be thinking that they were, would blow that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else to add? We will be back um, with our preview show in a couple of days. You should have that in your possession by Thursday-ish. Yes. Um, and uh, everybody be safe. Have a good holiday right. weekend. If you can, listen to us as you're traveling. That's you what I recommend. You didn't do happy, the uh, happy turkey day. The Twitter handles and everything. Why should I do the Twitter handles? You know I'm just going to screw For it God's up. For God's sakes, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> at Big XII Country. We have a Facebook account. We're on all – I don't even know. Everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, if you we're can't everywhere. find us, you got problems. Go to our website. Yeah, yeah. go to our website, Big XII well, – I just screwed up. Big right. com. And yep. The end. Let's go. And, and uh, for all you basketball fans, we'll be hitting that pretty hard here pretty soon. We, we kind of let this last football bit pile up, and then after that we'll be jumping on the basketball bandwagon. Yeah, we're, hard. we're gonna start posting the stories and stuff as we see them too. We're trying. Um, it's just kind of been a slow transition, but all right. Uh, any final thoughts? Everybody done? Everybody good? One more thing. <laughs> see you guys later. <laughs> all right. See y'all later. Everybody all right, thanks, say guys. bye.